What's up, everybody? It's the Power Rankings Podcast, a.k.a. the Power Rankings Show. I'm your host, Elliot Harrison, and I am pleased to be joined, as always, by the one, the only, at Marcus underscore Mosher. How are you? I, I am doing well. I, I am reinvigorated. <laughs> you by, really uh, had to think about that. Seven. No, I have myself muted, to be honest. So, <laughs> <laughs> what a what a powerful start to our podcast. Uh, this is coming off the heels of Bears Patriots. Uh, it was a mildly surprising game. Uh, I'm not going to call it a shocker. I know that Joe Buck called it a shocker on the broadcast, and I and I understand, but I don't think there's any shockers in the NFL, except for maybe if the Bills got beat, because we don't have any good teams. But I'm not going to go on that rant uh, for the second week in a row. Marcus, why don't you tell me about the long face for a second? I'm just disappointed. I, w- I was really excited for this Monday night game, believe it or not. And I actually told you this a couple of days ago. Like I was legitimately excited for this Monday night game because I liked what I saw from the Patriots over the last two weeks. I wanted them to to just crush the Bears at home and look really good so that we have another team that we kind of know what they are. And for them to lay an egg in this game, it's it's frustrating. It's deflating. Um Having giving up 250 yards rushing in this game, not being able to stop Justin Fields on third and 16 runs, it's just depressing. Week to week, you just don't know. Is U2 going to be good one week and the next week they're terrible in concert? That's not actually true. But what if Bruce Springsteen was like really good and then the next week he was flat, then really good the next week he was flat, which has driven Marcus to this. I don't know if y'all can hear that, but that's that's Elliot's Apple TV right there. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm just I'm just frustrated that we we don't have teams that are consistent game to game. They don't even have to win, Elliot. Like if New England would have played this game and the offense looks good and they win a tw- or they lose a 24-21 game, it's fine, right? But to get beat like that and really never be close in the second half, it's frustrating. And play your quarterback two drives and then go with a different quarterback. Uh, can we talk about that just for two seconds? Like, yeah. if you're going to play Bailey Zappi after two drives, just start him. Like, it, it, you ended up ruining Mac Jones's confidence. I I don't think all the things that were happening in that game were his fault. Uh, I, I I listen. Bill Belichick spit knows more than I will ever know about football. Uh, but it just it seemed like a bad move long-term to bench Mac Jones after two drives. I think his armpit knows more. I mean, it certainly does. It's closer to the brain, right? On the other side, uh, I caught that. Justin Fields looked incredibly relaxed in the fourth quarter. When they were up 26 to 14 and they were making a drive, he went to the sideline for a timeout and he's just kind of chilling with the coaches. I mean, this is a 12-point game on the road in tough conditions and Justin Fields just didn't, you know, look uh, as disaffected as you think he would, or excuse me, as affected as you think he would. Um, The other thing that's worth noticing is the last time we saw the bears, they played Thursday night against Washington Mm -hmm. and the receivers couldn't make any plays for him. They kind of got the receivers out of this game by just pounding the football. I mean, how many yards did they run for tonight? 243. I was going to guess 240. And then lastly, some really nice defensive plays in the fourth quarter to put this game away, uh, including a pick six that was beautiful. 
Um, now I already forgot who did it. One-handed tipped the ball uh, himself. That was Kyler Gordon. Yeah, Kyler Gordon. My goodness, that was a nice play. Yeah, yeah. so the Bears, uh, they're going to be moving up. This is our Power Rankings podcast, so we're going to do that here in a second. Two things real quick before we get into this. Uh, actually, three things. We want to talk about the Matt Ryan news today. Um, just real quick, Marcus. RIP. Can you <laughs> – I kind of want to hear your thoughts again about how teams are going to value quarterbacks coming out of college in terms of the running game in the reemergence of it. I don't think it's going to be the first thing that teams look for, right? Like rushing ability still isn't going to be number one. It's still, can you be a functional pocket passer? But if you aren't a dynamic runner, you better be Joe Burrow in the pocket, right? You better be able to be Tom Brady. And I'm, I'm not exaggerating, but like you have to be such a good pocket passer. Otherwise it's worth just gambling on the, the athlete who could eventually develop into being a quarterback because you're seeing it across the league, right? If, if you can be a competent runner, you can hit some basic passes Teams will give you a lot of time to kind of develop into, you know, your skill set. I think Daniel Jones is a perfect example. I don't think Daniel Jones is a great quarterback, but because he's athletic, he's been able to hang around, get a bunch of starts, and now he's playing the best football of his career. I think the running ability is going to become such a must for draft-eligible quarterbacks that we're going to talk about it in the same way that we talk about accuracy. Like, if you (laughs) – this is going to sound crazy, Elliot. Like, being a – dynamic runner is almost more important than being accurate anymore. I don't disagree with you. And I think that feeds into my second point here. Uh, second thing I wanted to talk about before we get to Matt Ryan is, <clears throat> you, I, you know what I love. I've been harping on this for a while, but with the changing body types of NFL defensive players, linebackers getting trimmer, you have safeties that are essentially glorified corners. You don't have that big, uh, hitting safety, you know, the Roy Williams, Mark Barron types close to the line. And you don't really have the, a lot of space eaters like the Gilbert Browns of past no. years or Casey Hamptons or Sam Adams or Tony Saragusa or um, uh, Don Terry Pose. Why not run the ball? And I just did a loose count of the 32 teams. I've got 16 teams that are having a lot of success because of what they're doing on the ground. I'm not even counting teams like the Colts who aren't doing well but have a great running back. And your point on the quarterback feeds into that because too often when we think running game, we think old school and we think running backs are devalued. Uh, The running game isn't devalued and having a quarterback that can run makes the defense have to defend him. And that makes a total difference in the way a team plays both offensively and defensively. We've seen it with the giants this year. We certainly see it with Chicago. It's the real scary thing. I think about the Eagles in the playoffs, if Jalen Hurts starts running wild, uh, the running game is back very much. If you look at the numbers this year, the amount of the amount of games that teams have run for over 200 yards to me is pretty startling. We had another one tonight, and their their opponent, New England, has at least one this year where they ran for 200 yards. Um, I just think it's a little bit of a trend uh, that's going the other way now. I don't think you're going to see teams air it out quite as much. Yeah, and I was just, as you were talking, I was trying to think of, of like the top 10 offenses in the NFL right now, our top 11 offenses. How many of them have plus runners at the quarterback position? And man, you go through the list, it's almost every single one. Yep. And you, you look at some of the worst offenses in the league, uh, Rams, 
Texans, Steelers, Colts, Bucks, Panthers before PJ Walker. Like none of those teams have quarterbacks that can bail them out when your primary receiver is covered on third and seven. Uh, can I can I run through the top ten scoring yeah, offenses yeah, right now? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Now again, this or sorry, this is a little messed up because there's some bye weeks. But Kansas City Chiefs, Mahomes could obviously run plus runner. Gino, yep, yep. Geno Smith and the Seahawks plus runner. Yeah, very smooth. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Uh, yeah, plus runner. Three for uh, three. Josh Allen. Four for four. Saints. No. Jameis doesn't really run. He's not playing, but they do have Taysom Hill. So when kind they play of, him under though, right? So kind of, kind yeah. of, yes. He did now have the, a big game a couple weeks ago. The the Bengals, no. I'll give you four and a half. Okay, okay. Bengals, no. The Browns? Yes. Okay. Not a great runner, but he can do it when he needs to. I would say at least average, right? Yeah. Chargers? Ooh. He has in the past. That's a tough one, Justin yeah. Herbert. That's a tough one. Falcons? Uh, uh, absolutely, yeah. Eagles? Absolutely. That's six Cardinals? and a half. Absolutely, that's seven and a half. Jaguars? Eight and a half. Giants? Nine and a half. I mean, that's, you know, it's kind of what we're saying, right? Like, if if you want to have a top 12 to 14 offense, you better have a quarterback that can make, like, make plays with its legs. Otherwise, you need Joe Burrow or you need Tom Brady. And even then, you can see the flaws sometimes with having those quarterbacks as well. And and when you watch an off-tackle play or just your <clears throat> simple stretch play to the right or left, if that defensive end is on the outside shoulder of the tackle, in other words, he's setting the edge, if the quarterback's not a threat and it's just a typical handoff, it's whether or not the running back can get through that hole or get past that edge player. When it's a quarterback and it's an option of some sort, it's a totally different thing. And that edge player has to read the quarterback. And if he reads wrong, now it's, say, the running back on nobody mm-hmm. until a defensive back can get up there and force. But a lot of times you've already got five yards by the time that happens. And we see in the NFL a lot, these safeties come flying in 90 to nothing. And how many times do you see them overrun the running back? All the running back has to do is just make a little stop. The guy flies right by, and then they get six, seven more yards. Now you got a 12-yard gain. It's just um, – it used to be the holding penalties were the worry that they were going to really derail your drive, but in the short passing game kind of replace the run. But now with the short passing game, you have to worry about incompletions. The running games are just going uh, so consistently well in the NFL. It's been a real pleasant surprise, even if the quality of teams stakes. Yeah. Uh, we should talk about one of those teams that – doesn't have a running quarterback that will yeah. this week. The Indianapolis Colts have benched Matt Ryan for the rest of the season in favor of Sam Ellinger, uh, who's going to start against Washington. And then they have Nick Foles, who's promoted to the number two quarterback. Elliot, thoughts? <laughs> Your thoughts. I, I just, I, I've known some really tough head coaches. Uh, I've covered some. Uh, I, I know the guys in history that I didn't cover, um, Jimmy Johnson, Bill Parcells, even Bill Belichick, pick, pick your guy. Um, they would bench a guy, but they wouldn't go out of their way to tell a reporter we're benching him for the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. And to me, this is Frank Reich sending a very clear message. For example, if it's Bill Parcells, he would say something like this. Uh, you know, we're not playing Drew Henson this week. 
we're going with Vinny. And if a reporter said, yeah, so what about for the rest of the season, Bill Parcells would be like, I'm thinking about this week, okay? <laughs> so he'd say, okay, okay, and then move along, move it right yep. along. There's no he would say that. So this is either a message that's being sent to Matt Ryan, which I doubt because Matt Ryan's got a great attitude. Uh, I, I, I seriously doubt there's a clash there between QB and coach, although it's possible. This seems to be more of a message to either the GM or the owner. It's like, this is my team, and we do it the way I want to do it. On, the, on Either that or they don't want Matt Ryan to get banged up. But I, I can't imagine, first of all, the trade deadline's coming up. Who's going to trade for Matt Ryan Nobody. right now, given the Nobody. way that he's playing? So what other thing could there be? What What is the possible logic, unless you're just trying to let your young quarterback know the keys are yours, I just said it publicly. Yep, I think that's what it is. Um, and I think, to be honest, this team just needed the spark. They look so flat a- against the, the Titans, especially on offense. Just something to change it up and give them a little bit of life. And I do think Ellinger can run really well. So you're going to see a different game plan for them. That's going to be a lot of Jonathan Taylor, a lot of read option stuff, a lot of quarterback draws. And maybe with the way that their defense has played over the last couple of weeks, yeah, maybe that is the right play because I, I know – this is not a playoff team with Matt Ryan. I mean, you Their just defense know that. gave up what twelve points yeah, at exactly. Tennessee. They lost nineteen to ten, I believe. Uh, but it was a pick six. That was the big mm-hmm. play in the game for Tennessee. That's certainly not on your defense. Um, okay, let's uh, kind of get off of this. We're going to talk about the Colts here in a second because it's not going to take very long to get to them. We start at the bottom. Spoiler. Uh, I'm glad Marcus just took a good swig. He's slowly getting in a better mood. Uh, at thirty-two, I've got the Houston Texans. A little bit difficult to do this one. Davis Mills came out pretty well against the Raiders. Had a decent game. The Raiders pulled away in this one. Any issue here? There's about four or five teams we could have picked for 32. They they actually played really well against the Raiders for three and a half quarters. Um, They're just not as talented. So this is one of the, the least talented rosters in the NFL. So this is fine. I gave the Panthers a little bit of a bump. Um, they dominated the Bucks. They won 21 to three. I believe the score was their defense was outstanding. Mm-hmm. They haven't gotten rid of all their good players, but uh, obviously there's, uh, you know, there's been a little bit of what they call a fire sale. That's what they used to call sure. this. And uh, the Panthers got to give them credit though. They really responded with PJ Walker with uh, what Chuba Hubbard started mm-hmm. at tailback in McCaffrey's place. But really this was a, a story about the uh, Panthers defense. Yeah. The, the, Panthers trade away Christian McCaffrey. They're going up against one of the best run defenses in the NFL, and they'd run for 173 yards on 27 carries. Pretty impressive. And, and I didn't even check them as one of my 16 teams because they've had a lousy year. But yep. it's remarkable when you start going through how many teams are running the rock right now. Yep. At number 30, the Jags traded uh, one of their running backs, James Robinson, uh, today. Uh, they've been playing Travis Etienne, who was hurt all last year. Uh, but you know, they're playing at home, Marcus, and I saw something just crazy in that game. They are – It's there's five minutes to go in the game. The Giants just scored a touchdown to go up 20-17, to 17, I think. Mm-hmm. And the Jags need to answer with a drive. They got five minutes. They got plenty of time. The Giants' defensive end – this game is in Jacksonville. The Giants' defensive end starts raising his hands up to get the crowd to make noise to make it harder on Jacksonville. They're playing in – Jacksonville. And you know what? The crowd responds. 
The crowd gets really loud, full of Giants fans, and the Jags' right tackle jumps off sides on the mm-hmm. very next play. I don't know that I've ever seen that. Yeah, and the, the Jags had a, a, a spot in this game. They were up by three, and they had third and one from the Giants' 20. They ran ETN on a wildcat play right up the middle, and then on fourth and one, Trevor Lawrence right up the middle on a quarterback sneak didn't get it. And that was kind of the game, right? Like if you kick a field goal there, I think that game is quite a bit different. But they got to find ways to finish these games. It's getting ridiculous at this point. I was encouraged by Trevor Lawrence leading them on an impressive drive at the end of the game. If you didn't see it, they got stopped literally at about the – well, I said the, I was going to say the three-foot line. That would be the one-yard line. <laughs> But, but it was, going it was like three inches away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but a nice job by him. Just couldn't quite get it done. At 29, we've got the Broncos. Uh, they're starting ripping at quarterback. Uh, Russell Wilson was ruled out kind of late in the week with a hamstring. First, it was a lat. Now it's a hamstring. I don't think it really matters. The Broncos' de- offense was awful. And then early in this game, Brees Hall takes one to the house on their defense. What does Zach Wilson have? 120? Throwing yeah, the ball? 105 net passing yards in this game. That's ridiculous. Okay. And to win in Denver, what do you want me to say about this team? Broncos defense is amazing. Can you imagine what how good they'd be if they had an average quarterback? The problem is they don't have any offense whatsoever. I mean, I I could move them up a couple of spots based on no, their it, defense market. No, their but, offense is horrendous. It's just, I mean, the Broncos fans are the worst in the league. Yeah, their defense is unbelievable. Um, I mean, Zach Wilson had 29 dropbacks in this game and had 105 net passing yards. Like that's that's, that's ridiculous. Hor- that's horrible. Well, and you lose. at 20 at 28, you got the Colts who beat the Broncos and maybe the ugliest game in the last 10 years. Uh, if you guys didn't see that game, please don't go back and watch it for your health. Uh, the Colts are another team whose defense has actually played pretty well. We talked about them with Matt Ryan. Uh, anything else going forward with these guys? I feel like they need more out of their receiver group. They do, and they just need players to start playing up to their ability. Like Michael Pittman, you, you catch a big pass over the middle to get a first down, and then you fumble the ball. And Jonathan Taylor runs out of bounds instead of uh, on a thir- third down instead of trying to get the first down. Like they just, and maybe this is the reason for the move. It, it just seems like such an uninspired team. Let's frustrate. Listless. Uh, number 27, I've got the Lions. Lions lost. If you saw the score of this game, and you're like, dude, the Lions, they have one win and they got blown out. Not really. This game got out, out of hand in like the last, what, three and a half minutes of the game? Yeah, a little bit. The, yeah. Lions, the Lions defense took it to the Cowboys offense big time. They had a fumble at the probably the one foot line mm-hmm. against the Cowboys when they were going up, potentially going up for uh, what to tie the, no, to go for the lead. The Cowboys were up 10 up to six. At the point. Yep. Yeah. Um, Dallas ended up uh, winning pretty handily again, but uh, what do you say about the lions at this point? We really liked their offense uh, a few weeks ago. That's kind of what we were hanging our hats on, but now they've scored a combined six points in their last two games. I know Amon Ross, St. Brown, was knocked out early in this game and DeAndre Swift didn't play and DJ Chark didn't play, but you've got to find ways to to generate more offense. The Cowboys were giving them field great field position all game long and they just couldn't do enough with it. A um, little bit disappointed in this Lions offense. 
Yeah, their secondary has been really, really banged up, but their defense came to play. Uh, they were swarming to the ball. Their secondary played pretty well. Um, but, you know, you got to win some of these games. I know it's a tough assignment against Dallas, getting their quarterback back in Dallas, but it's the way it goes. Uh, Pittsburgh also played a road game on national TV, the Sunday night game um, against the Dolphins in Miami. They lost. They had a chance there at the end. Some good things, some bad things from Pickett. Uh, in this mm-hmm. game, but I think Pittsburgh is still one of the more bottom teams in the league. It's tough to figure out Pittsburgh because you know they had multiple chances. Uh, what to, in the last three minutes of this game, both times they had the ball at the thirty-yard line. You know, with a chance to go score a touchdown, and then the interceptions. Their defense is playing well. They've been in just about every game they played outside of Buffalo, but they just they struggle to find ways to close it out. By the way, great uni matchup in that game. Mm, yes. And what a dime from Pickett to Fryermuth on that last drive over the middle. Goodness gracious. Uh, kid can throw the football, man. That was a, as accurate a pass as you're going to see in the NFL. Uh, number 25, we've got the New Orleans Saints. I can't believe the Saints are down this low. They got beat uh, by, yes, Andy Dalton mistakes. This is going back to Thursday. We talked about that game uh, after the uh, Thursday night game. If you really want to know about that game, feel free to download our podcast from that game or go back and listen, but I wouldn't recommend it. That nope. game sucked too. What do you want? What do you want to say Nothing. about the saints? Nothing. I don't want to watch this team ever again. Go ahead. <laughs> I'd like to see Taysom Hill be under center for the whole game. By the way, speaking of the running game, Sa- saints Raiders this week, I will be watching. I forgot about that. Hey, create matchup problems for the defense. I mean, create uh, just, uh, I don't want to say trepidation, but make the defense think about what you're going to do. And when you've got Taysom Hill under center, it's a heck of a lot more scary than Andy Dalton. It's it's just a totally different deal. Uh, that's what I'd like to see the Saints do. At 24, I've got the Washington Commanders. They're coming off a big win. Need to see it more than one week. But Taylor Heineke uh, gives this team a little bit of a lift, even if he didn't have great numbers. I don't think Taylor Heineke's good. But he's not really bad either. And he's kind of fun. And he just makes this Washington offense – uh, more enjoyable to watch. I know Terry McLaurin likes having him on the field, so I, I don't think Washington's going to be a legitimate contender in the NFC, but kind of feel like they're going to be a tough out over the next three or four weeks. You know what Taylor Heineke is? He's pesky. Yeah. That's what he is. Pretty. Any other uh, word you want to use? <laughs> I don't Jim know. Rat? Are we going to do <laughs> Is he in the building at 6 a.m.? Yeah. And uh, Our yeah. first one in, last one out. Yeah, all right. Uh, let's talk about the Bears at 23. I could have moved them higher. I need it more than one week. I'd like to see their receivers make some big plays for them consistently, but they ran the heck out of the ball, and you got to give their defense some credit on the road tonight. Yeah, I mean, I, I love this game plan by Luke Getze. Um, you, Justin Fields at 14 carries for 82 yards. David Montgomery, 15 carries for 62 yards. Khalil Herbert, 12 carries. Like They're just going to run the crap out of the ball. And then when they do throw it, make it easy reads for Justin Fields where he doesn't have to you know, process too much. If they do stuff like that, this could be a pretty decent team. It's so funny. is That's exactly what 1940s football was. The quarterback and the two halfbacks all had about the same amount of carries, uh, except the only difference was back then – the tailback threw a lot of passes, as did the quarter. Not a lot, but maybe four or five passes. Yep. You don't have that anymore. But 
which is funny because the Bears were the dominant team in the 1940s. That's kind of how they got famous. Uh, and and George Hallis got famous, but more on him uh, a little bit later. Uh, at number 22, I've got the Cardinals. Neither one of us trusts the Cardinals. I don't know what to make of them yet, except that I don't like their black helmets. They looked impressive against the Saints one week after stinking up the joint against Seattle. I do wonder if they can just survive over the next four or five weeks. I think that offense could be a lot better once they get Hollywood Brown back because I thought DeAndre Hopkins looked pretty good in his first game back. I think Hopkins and Brown, pretty good wide receiver duo there. Oh, yeah, and we know the Cliff Kingsbury Cardinals always finish strong. So Mm -hmm. It's a joke. Okay, uh, let's go to 21. I've got the Los Angeles Chargers. They were very disappointing uh, this week. They suffered a big injury with J.C. Jackson. It was his knee, not his foot, the injury I complained about earlier in the year. But you start you start having to change the way that you run and stuff because you're being asked to play on an injured foot and things can happen. So that was really frustrating to watch. Um, maybe it was a fluke play. They would have gotten beaten in this game anyway. Seattle took it to them. Marcus, um, what do you make of the Chargers right now? Uh, It's too easy for teams to run on them. Justin Herbert's been so-so. I think he's even been worse than so-so. And you know how much I love Justin Herbert. He's averaging 6.5 yards per attempt uh, this season. And even worse, the last couple of games have been dreadful. 5.7, 4.2, 6.7. He's just not pushing the ball down the field. The defense can't stop anybody. It's a very frustrating team to watch. Yeah. All the comparisons to Dan Marino, and I can tell you Dan Marino's third year coming off of his incredible second year, he still threw 30 touchdowns, and the Dolphins went to the SC Championship game. It's not going that way for Herbert. Maybe it's not fair to compare him to somebody like that. Uh, at number 20, the Raiders, they, they got the win against Houston. The game was a little bit tight early on, and then the Raiders pulled away. But this is another team that I've got checked off on the run game. I feel so vindicated because two years ago I was saying, what's wrong with Josh Jacobs? This is a really good player. Like, Why do people act like he's a nobody? And he's been awesome. Last three games, 441 rushing yards, six rushing touchdowns, and 82 yards in the uh, receiving game. I mean, he's playing awesome right now. Uh, and that's really the formula for the Raiders. Like the offensive line is bad, uh, but if Josh Jacobs can run, they can get Darren Waller back. This offense is already really good. Um, I think they're going to have a chance to go on a little bit of a run. Well, I've said this to you before. When you have a, a not very good offensive line, running the football actually makes sense because you give these guys to, a chance to play aggressive and you can make a so-so offensive line a little bit better than so-so just because they get to fire out and hit somebody. But if you get them on their heels, pass blocking the whole game and they already kind of stink, usually it doesn't get better. It usually goes south. Uh, that, that's been my experience, but you know, obviously that's a, a trend thing going over can, 20 to can 30 I give years. You some Josh yeah. Jacobs just stats really quickly. Sure. I know the 17th game schedule messes it up a little bit, but he's on pace for 2,600 yards this season, total yards from scrimmage. Well, the record for total yards from scrimmage, I think, is 26-something, or is it 25-something? He's also on pace to score 26 touchdowns. Oh, boy. Look out. That's crazy. <laughs> he's All right, number, well. 
Yeah, I I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, uh, boy, that's I sounded like uh, Roscoe P. Coltrane. Gee, I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, uh, number nineteen. I got the Atlanta Falcons. They finally got beat, like really beat, uh, yeah. by a team better than them. They've been in every single game. Cincinnati kind of ran away with this because of the passing game. Tyler Boyd had a huge game. Finally, Jamar Chase had a big game. Atlanta lost uh, AJ Terrell. What the first? was the first yeah, drive and, and that's why maybe don't overreact to this game too much casey hayward didn't play this game he had an injury he should be back next week he's 50 a- yeah aj terrell uh went out on the first play of this game so when you're out without your top two corners and that was the only reason this past defense was surviving anyways it's awfully tough against the best receiving core in the league yeah because they don't have that great a pass rush and besides even when they do get a sack it gets called for roughing yeah. all right number 18 we got the green bay packers uh they lost at washington they made it interesting at the end dude i've been telling you if i were them i'd give aaron jones 28 touches a game i would throw the ball to him eight times i would run him almost 20 um he's a really good player they can't rely on the receivers right now what do you think what do you it's gonna get it's gonna get tougher. They play at Buffalo this week. Al Lazard hurt his shoulder. Uh, oh, there's some real goodness. doubts that he's gonna be able to play. Christian Watson's not likely to play. Randall Cobb is out for the next three weeks at least. Good luck. Do you think they could get Jimmy Graham out of retirement? Because that he was a you know he just put up huge numbers. For I them. mean they might as well get Donald Driver at that point. I'm sure they're Tom both- Crabtree. <laughs> where, where else do you want to go? Uh, Can we think of anybody? James Jones and his hoodie. <laughs> the hoodie under. I worked with JJ, man. That's not cool. That's not well. I'm cool. just saying. Do they have Wesley Walls for a while or Jeff Thomason? Were those one of the? Who is their big kind of? All right, never mind. Uh, let's go to number seventeen before we go off. I was I was trying here. to think of some more. Uh, really random. People. We could have gone with like Jordy Nelson, but that's not fun. Bubba Franks. Bubba Franks, you know who's been forgotten? Ran for like a thousand yards two or three years in a row for those guys is Ryan Grant. Yeah. How about that one? Uh, all right, number 17, the Jets. Uh, on the subject of running backs, this one really sucks. It sucks so bad mm-hmm. because Brees Hall, man, if you guys didn't see any highlights Sunday or not enough, you've got to see the Brees Hall run against the Broncos. The guy flies down the field. It's as fast as any long run I've ever seen. It's like an Eric Dickerson special, but then the guy gets hurt. I hate to see that. That's why the Jets made the trade for James Robinson. Do you like that trade? I do. It's just such a bummer, though, because I feel like Brees Hall was really emerging as a superstar. And he was the one guy in this offense that had the big playability because without him, it. I don't know how they're going to move the ball. Um, that and the Elijah Vera Tucker injury, who's also out for the year, brutal, brutal for them. Yeah, offensive line hasn't exactly gone swimmingly for them. Um, it's not necessarily their fault either. Like, they've invested in guys, and the guys yep. that they've drafted and signed are good, I think. Like, Elijah Vera Tucker's awesome. I think Kai Becton's been really good when he plays. It's just it's, it's tough. It is. It's hard to stay on the field right now for those guys. And uh, it, it really stinks with Brees Hall. Maybe it was going to be the rookie of the year, but we'll we'll see what happens uh, with Over him. Zappy. I hope. Sorry, Don't go be ahead. a jerk. Don't be a jerk. Maybe. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the Tampa Bay Bucks. I've got them at 16, and honestly, I think I'm doing them a favor. Uh, Woof, well, They <laughs> lost to Carolina, bro. 
That's a really good Rocky Three impression. Uh, if you had to say the biggest issue for the Bucks right now, what would you say? Honestly, I think it's communication. I 100% agree. That's exactly what I was going to say. Um, on a bunch of different fronts. If it's, if it's between quarterback and offensive line, which has been publicized, quarterback and uh, receivers, maybe even coaching staff. Uh, I, I don't think Leftwich and Brady have a problem, but I don't know that the Brady absence in training camp didn't cause a little bit of a communications nightmare for the organization as a whole, even if it was agreed upon way in advance. What are you, or am I getting close to what you were thinking? Yeah, that's, I mean, communication was exactly what I was going to say. It just seems like this team, they don't, it seems like they don't trust each other. They've got guys doing weird things, players running the wrong direction, players dropping passes that they should never drop. It, it feels like there's, there's this one big elephant in the room and nobody wants to talk about it, whether that's Brady, whether it's they don't like Todd Bowles and they thought Byron Leftwich should have been the head coach. I don't know, but it just everything feels so discombobulated with this team. I love the honesty from Mike Evans saying, man, I miss Gronk. You know, uh, maybe I don't know what Rob Gronkowski's numbers were last year. It was probably about 500 and something yards and six touchdowns, but Getting that from a guy that's not playing every snap of the game, who will block for you in the run game, who teammates absolutely love, who's an igniter for your team, who's incredibly clutch. He's had a, a bunch of postseason touchdowns. Plus, they've had guys like Cameron Brait who can do some of the lifting in the passing game yep. from the tight end spot. It's a huge loss. It's a huge loss. And I just uh, thought that was interesting that Mike Evans said that. At number 15 are the Rams. Now, the Rams didn't play this week. And like the Bucks, they're a team that's supposed to be like your automatic rubber stamp contender. You're talking about the Super Bowl champs of the last two years in the Bucks and Rams. But another team that looks a little bit dysfunctional, perhaps less so than the Bucks. They beat the Panthers two weeks ago. The Bucks just lost to the Panthers. Any faith in the Rams right now? Not really. I mean, the only reason we didn't move them down is because they were on bye this week. Yep. Um, yep. I. I'm I'm putting a little bit of faith in Sean McVay that he's able to figure out the offensive line during the bye, but they just lost Joseph Noteboom, their left tackle for the season. If that offensive line doesn't dramatically improve, this team is not making the playoffs. They're just not. Yep, and it's clear that Matt Stafford is either not good enough or not healthy enough right now to mitigate some of these problems. Uh, as good a player as he, as he has been and as good as he was last year. Uh, at 14, the Cleveland Browns, I wouldn't say a quarterback problem here. Jacoby Brissett actually played pretty well against Baltimore. The Browns, other than one game, have been in every single game. They could have won these games. They had a really weird deal on a field goal late in this game mm -hmm. where they got called for an offsides in which Calais Campbell actually charged into the line, but the guy that jumped offsides was on the other part of the line, so they, they didn't get the – Defensive line encroachment induced offsides grace, yep. if you know what I'm talking about. Yep, I do. And, you know, sometimes if a, if a defensive player jumps offsides and either the player directly over that defensive guy or the lineman right next to him jump offsides because the defensive player encroached, they will call it on the defense. But if you're on the other side of the line and a defensive player jumps into the line, you are not allowed to flinch. 
And it was a really weird deal, and it cost Cleveland. Then they tried a 60-yard field goal. I hope that all made sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, It got tipped because you have to kick a 60-yard field goal with a low trajectory. And another game where the Ravens survived in the fourth quarter. We'll get to them. Uh, Is 14 too high for Cleveland? Probably. Given the way the rest of the league is playing? (laughs) Probably, but then you have to put teams ahead of them, and I'm certainly not putting the Rams or any of those teams ahead of them. It's it's tough because – there, there's parts of the bronze that you really like. I thought Jacoby Brissett played really well. I, I thought the rushing attack was pretty good in this game. The Easy. defense was actually not bad. It's just mistakes and missed field goals and fumbles and penalties and sacks when you don't need to take sacks. It's just what's keeping this team from being, I don't know, I think four and three conservatively or four and two, I guess. Uh, I. I mean, the Browns could have won almost every game this year except for the Patriots game. Speaking of the Patriots, they are at 13. They got their butts kicked tonight. We talked about them a little bit. What's next for them? You put Mac Jones back in the lineup? Yeah, I think you have to put Mac Jones back in. You saw in the second half how much Bailey Zappi was struggling. The fact that Bill Belichick went to Mac Jones anyways to start this game tells you who he think is more who he thinks is more talented. I, I mean, I think you have to play Jones at this point. I know that comeback player of the year is usually a guy that's been hurt, but isn't Geno Smith the comeback player of the year? Can you give comeback player of the year to a rookie? Because I think I'd give it to Brian Robinson if you can't, can't is that legal? I don't I don't think it's ever been done, but I just uh you know at number the 12, point like Gino's been awesome yeah. this year. Seahawks are our twelfth team. And you know, you get to a point in a season where you know it's week six or week seven and you're thinking, okay, I can't really call this a fluke anymore. I think a great example are the ninety-nine Rams. They get off to a nice start. You're like, boy, this Kurt Warner guy's making some plays. But you're like, hey, everybody, let's calm down. It's only the first month of the season. And then at the end of the year, he's got 40 touchdown passes, and he's a league mm-hmm. MVP. Geno Smith is seeing the field. He's getting rid of the ball. Uh, saw him run for a really nice first down in this game. He is so smooth. He runs like Vince Young when he decides to run. He's just not a big runner, but he he's very effective at it. I, what can you? What more can you say about how odd this is, how cool it is, and really about the job Pete Carroll's doing? So do you know what's funny about this division right now? Seattle's currently leading at four and three, and on the sports books they're like plus eight hundred to win the division, and they're Jeez. actually the odds are last behind the 49ers, behind the Rams, and behind the Cardinals. So sports books don't really believe in this team, but like, we're going into week eight. Like at this point, your preseason thoughts don't really matter anymore. No. What you thought Seattle was going to do. If they beat the Giants this week, I know the Giants maybe are a little bit uh, not as good as what the record says, but if they beat the Giants in that game and they get to five and three, we're having a different conversation about Seattle. Is that game in New York or Seattle? It's in New York. In New York. Okay, that's, that's a good thing because New York just played. Uh, in Jacksonville, and uh, they were at overseas a few weeks ago. Yeah, okay. Um, that's just that's a big trip to be going from New that's York the, to Jacksonville back to Seattle. But that's, that's the nice 4:25 p.m. Fox game. That's insane. 
You would never have guessed that. Uh, just think about that. Geno Smith, Matt Jones, it's the NFL on Fox. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, I said Matt Jones, Daniel Jones. See, I can't even say his name right. It's close yeah. enough. My bad. Close enough. All right, number 11, probably another one. I'm doing the team a favor, like I said, with Tampa. Maybe even New England at 13. Uh, 49ers at 11. Now, they were in that game against Kansas City, and then Kansas City just took control in the fourth quarter. The 49ers had some injuries in their secondary in this game, so I'll give them some benefit of the doubt. This is kind of what the 49ers do anyways, right? They, they kind of sleepwalk through the first two weeks or first two months of the season. And then by November and December, that's when they start to play really good football. I'm not, I'm not worried about this team yet. Yeah, I think as they get healthier, again, this team has a lot of weapons. It was Christian McCaffrey's first game with the team. They can get a little healthier on defense. Um, they should be better. But, you know, Kansas City kind of did what they wanted to out there offensively. Uh, that's a little bit of concern, but it was Kansas City. Okay, uh, number 10. This is a real surprise, man, but I cannot keep this team out of the top 10. And honestly, I could make the case they could be higher than the team that's at number nine. So I'm going to give you both of them a two for here. I've got Tennessee Titans at 10 and the Baltimore Ravens at nine. If you want to swap them, swap them. But um, the Titans have been as good as any team in football over the last four weeks, five weeks. If those two teams play each other on a neutral neutral few, field, man, I can't talk. Uh, who would you pick to win? Honestly, I'd probably take Tennessee. So I'm starting I. to d- doubt myself a little bit on this ranking that I have Tennessee you, at you 10. You should because – well, I mean you should because I, I think the Titans are just better than the Ravens. I think they're – listen, I like John Harbaugh a lot. I just think that the Titans are better coached, and they kind of know what they are at this point. Yeah, we'll swap that around then. That's that's what we're gonna do. So let's uh let's talk Baltimore then, who's ten, and we'll put Tennessee at nine. I'm 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 overruling myself. With Baltimore, well, speaking of the matchup, playing on a neutral field, I don't know that Lamar Jackson could capitalize on one of the real weaknesses of the Titans, which is their secondary. And also would Baltimore's pass rush be able to get home against an offensive line that's a weakness in Tennessee? I don't know. With the Ravens the inconsistency and the inability to really shut the door in the fourth quarter has just been awful for this team. Whereas with Tennessee, other than week one, they've been able to shut the door on all these games. Yeah. And if you watch this game, there was a play late where Amari Cooper caught a touchdown on Marcus Peters and they called him for a offensive pass interference. And I thought it was a little weak. I mean, Marcus Peters is just really struggling right now, and they just don't have the defensive backs. They lost Marcus Williams to an injury. I just don't trust this Ravens team at all on defense, at all. Yeah, I'm with you. So if we got the 49ers at 11, Baltimore at 10, the Titans at 9, that brings us to the Miami Dolphins at 8. They got a nice win against Pittsburgh. It was a little unusual. No one scored in the second half of that game. It was 16-10 to 10 at halftime. Uh, Miami had a lot of opportunities and then they just kind of held on at the end and played pretty good defense. I'm, I'm concerned about the quarterback. I, I don't think Tua should have played. I really don't. I don't really think Pickett should have played either. This is very weird to me that two guys that have had concussion issues were starting against each other, but Marcus, it's really hard to evaluate Tua at this point, isn't it? 
Yes, but I will say I was encouraged that he was able to. I thought he played pretty well in the first half. Things kind of went off the rails a little bit in the second half. Half, but he didn't really get hit in this game very much. Um, you just wanted to see him kind of get through that first game and play relatively well, and he did. So I think now that we go into a stretch where they're going to be favored in a bunch of games, I think this offense is going to start playing like it did earlier in the season. That rollout play he had in the fourth quarter, Third he threw down. it right to, I mean, he just looked like he had no confidence whatsoever. A picket looked like he had more confidence out there. Truly. Um, I mean, Pickett's played more career games in college in the NFL than what Tua has. Just, just reading the body language there, but yeah. you know, I, I'd like to see Tua do well. Uh, it's not that I don't want him to play because of skill or not liking him. I just think after the concussion he had against Cincinnati, he should have been shut down for a long time. And Pickett just got concussed uh, the week before this game, mm-hmm. right? Wasn't it the week mm-hmm. before? Uh, this, I mean, yeah, last week against Tampa Bay. Yeah, I don't like the idea of guys playing. I don't care if they pass concussion protocol. Sit them out for a week. Just. Give them an extra week. It just makes sense, especially when it's a rookie and it's a, the future of your franchise. Mitch mm-hmm. Trubisky is not the future of your franchise. Um, not that we should not care about Trubisky's health. I'm just saying I, I don't understand that decision. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, number eight, or excuse me, number seven, I've got the Cincinnati Bengals. I left the Bengals uh, right where they were last week. In fact, spoiler alert, there's no movement in my top seven from last week to this week. So... Uh, Cincinnati finally got that passing game really going. Yeah, they're they're starting to look like the team we saw last year. Uh, Jamar Chase starting to play pretty well. Burrow, you can see he's getting more confidence in his offensive line. Not a great team, but I think this is one of the teams that we kind of know what we are getting week to week. And that's, man, that's such a relief sometimes. I can't remember the last time Tyler Boyd had this big a game in the NFL. Um and I think for their offensive line, preseason's over. Yep. Finally. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens there. I could have jumped them over the Giants, but the Bengals played the Falcons at home. The Giants had to go on the road and play Jacksonville. And although Jacksonville wasn't playing well, uh, the Giants did what they needed to do to get yet another win. Really well-coached team. You can just see it in the things that they do. Defensively, we talked about the last drive of the game. Jacksonville completes a ball at like the half yard line and the giant safety is just sitting there at the goal line and instantly tackles him. And that's because those guys were defending the goal line, not the end zone, the goal line. And they didn't let that receiver break the plane because they were waiting for that. I, how many times you see at the end of the game, the defensive backs are in the end zone, but they're, they're, you know, halfway deep. I remember the lions got their first win last year against the Vikings when the Vikings were flooded in the end zone, but all the guy has, all the nose of the football just merely has to break the plane. That's why your safeties need to be parked at the goal line. And uh, that's what happened on the last play of the game. I, I don't know how the Giants keep doing this. It feels so smoking mirrors, mirrorsy. That's not even really a word. I'm just going to call it smoke and mirrorsy uh, to me. But hey, listen, give Brian Dable credit. This team is playing so hard right now they're finding ways to win and i they're kind of kind of starting to believe in themselves as well like hey if we can just keep this game close going into the fourth quarter we know we're going to find a way to win dable's turning the culture around there it's 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 exciting to see you know how you win this way by not doing stupid things yeah no kidding this team you know 
given that you do a Cowboys podcast, this team kind of reminds me of the 03 Cowboys a little bit. Just we're going to, we know we have limitations, you know, on offense. And we know we don't have all the horses on defense, like big, big time players, but we're going to play smart football. We're going to play situational football. We're not going to get beat in the middle late. That's the last four minutes of the first half, the first four minutes of the second half. We're not going to make the dumb, dumb penalties uh, to lose games. And when we have to have a play, we get a big one from our defense. Last week, it was Thibodeau uh, stripping Jackson. This week, it was that tackle at the goal line. Um, I'm just really impressed with this team. Uh, number five, Minnesota Vikings, they were on a bye. I didn't move them because they were on nope. a bye. I don't know really how much you can say. I think Minnesota is a decent team. I think they're going to be in the playoffs. I hesitate to call them a really good team. That's because after the first four teams on my power rankings, I don't really know if there's a really good team. I won't be surprised if the Vikings are in the Super Bowl, though, to be honest with you. they got to beat Philadelphia if they're going to do that. It's possible. It's also possible that they don't play Philadelphia until the championship round, and by that time, maybe Philadelphia gets knocked off. I, I think the Vikings are going to be the two-seed in the NFC. Well, we could talk about a Vikings-Eagles matchup all day, but I, I, I think the Vikings, we talked about it over the summer. You know, we went through the roster. I was like, man, this is a really good roster, and you thought so too, and that there was no reason this team shouldn't be in the playoffs. We thought Green Bay would win the division. It's not looking like that's going to happen. Uh, Detroit is, you know, going to be lucky to get to seven wins, and I just don't think Chicago's there yet. They're a year away. Uh, Matt Eberflus is probably just evaluating at this point hoping mm-hmm. they can get some wins together and build some confidence. Um, so I'm with you on Minnesota. They'll probably end up with a two seed, but doesn't Dallas plays Minnesota this year? If the Cowboys beat them, but the problem is the Cowboys are going to be a wild card to yep. Philadelphia. Yeah. So when you start, when you start going through the machinations of it, Tampa Bay is not going to get it. Nope. And then who in the West is going to up in them. And they're, they're going to all cannibalize each other a little bit with all those yep. games. So yeah, yeah, no, it's a good point. Now that you kind of, like I said, when you go through the machinations of it, uh, it makes sense. Uh, all right, number four, speaking of the Cowboys, they are in the cleanup spot. I wouldn't call this an impressive win. It was no. kind of an ugly win, but mm-hmm. they got their quarterback back. Their defense totally rose to the occasion at the end of the game. And I've said this to Marcus ad nauseum. I'm just telling it to all you guys out there. Ezekiel Elliott is playing such good situational football for this team. Uh, They have a threat in Tony Pollard. Maybe they don't need the big passing game numbers like last year, and they can play defense and running the football and go to the NFC Championship or go through the playoffs. Yeah, not a super impressive win, but a needed win for the Cowboys. Go show that you can kind of win an ugly game, which you don't particularly play all that well in the first half on offense, it's a good win. Um, they'll have to do it again next week against Chicago, but yeah, that's fine. We'll, we'll talk about that on our picks podcast, which is on uh, Wednesday. Uh, number three, Kansas city chiefs. They beat San Francisco handily. Once they, they got going in the second half. Uh, I didn't see any need to move them up any higher than this. They're still one of the best teams in the NFL. I do think the bills, Eagles and chiefs are in a separate class. Uh, than the Cowboys or anybody else below them. Do you remember when um, the Chiefs lost to a quarterback that's now demoted to third string yes. on his own team? Yes. Oh, boy. That is still Football. one of the wildest games of the season. It's it's so fluky. Two, four, six, eight, get excited. Yeah, it's it's weird. 
you know, Kansas City, I thought losing Tyron Matthew would really hurt them, and it just hasn't, man. Nope, hasn't been it, a big it, deal at all. It, it really hasn't. Uh, and number two, Philadelphia Eagles, uh, they were on a bye. Huge weekend, uh, if you're a Philadelphia sports fan, the Phillies are in the World Series, and the Phillies were not expected to go that far, and they beat the Padres, another team that wasn't supposed to be there four games to one. Uh, that happened uh, Sunday night. Uh, but the Eagles were on a bye. And so what's really weird, too, is that the Eagles are going to be playing the Texans and the Phillies are going to be playing the Houston Astros in the World Series. I know you're a huge baseball guy. Mm-hmm. Your thought on the pitching matchups? Yeah, not going to do that. Uh, Buffalo Bills here, number one. Both those teams on a bye. Great. <laughs> I think the Bills are, I, I hate to say clearly, a better team than Philadelphia. But I don't, this isn't hard for me, uh, having Buffalo at number one and Philly at, at two. No. I think there are differences in these teams. The thing about the Bills that I like right now is them getting healthy. They haven't really laid an egg. Um, I don't know who's going to stop them. I, I, I don't and know. Themselves. So the only people that could stop them, like if they have the number one seed, they're going to the Super Bowl. I'm just telling you now, nobody's going to go up to Buffalo in January and beat them. Not even the Chiefs. They just can't afford to slip up like against the Jets or against whoever, right? They can't they can't lose to the Patriots at home like they did last year. That they should be in the Super Bowl this year. I think it would be almost shocking at this point if they're not. I don't think Minnesota is gonna to go to Philadelphia and win. I, I see two NFC teams being able to go to Philadelphia and win the NFC championship right now. I'm guessing, and I don't I know that. It, yeah, go San, ahead. San Francisco and Dallas. That is correct. How did yeah. you know? Because those are two teams when they're at full strength match up really well against Philly. You bet. You bet. I'm not saying they're going to do it. I do think Philadelphia is clearly the NFC's best team. Now you can argue whether they should be second or third with Kansas City. Like I said, they were on a bye. I didn't move them down. And, and Buffalo is clearly the number one. So that is our rankings. Uh, through uh, those are our rankings through seven weeks of the season. Uh, Marcus, I want to get one little thought off here uh, before we leave. They made a, a much tonight on Monday Night Football about Bill Belichick surpassing George Hallis. Uh, George Hallis, if you don't know much about the guy, he's he's called the Papa Bear. He's pretty much the father of the NFL. Uh, he helped create the National Football League in 1920 at what was called a Hupmobile dealership in Canton, Ohio. That's why the Hall of Fame is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he had 325 wins when he hung him up uh, as a coach, hung the hat up. 1967 was his last year coaching. He was 72 years old. And as you'd like to remark, you know, age is so different now than it was then, right? So to, for a guy to coach until he was 72 in the 1960s, Really big deal. He won a championship in 1963 at age 68. So a really interesting guy. George Hallis played in the NFL. George Hallis was also an outfielder for the New York Yankees. Yankees. I mean, you want to talk about a remarkable uh, career. Not a perfect guy. Uh, He he had quite the temper on him, and his uh, rants at officials are absolutely legendary uh, in game and and uh, he didn't like to throw the money around with his players <laughs> either necessarily, but uh, just wanted people to know a little bit about who George Hallis is. What's the worst purchase you've ever had uh, for a hundred dollars that you just have absolutely blown on something like stupid? You, can you think of anything? 
probably something at Banana Republic that I didn't. No. Oh, great! Did I just ruin a sponsorship? No, that's fine. I think uh, I bought a I, I bought a Duke Johnson Miami University uh, signed jersey. I thought that was so cool. Um, what does that have to do with George Hallis? He bought the uh, Bears for a hundred dollars. Oh, nice, nice work. Well, they were the Decatur Staley's their first year. He worked for uh, the A.E. Staley Company, and then they they became the Bears, um, and they're one of the oldest teams in the league. I think I've asked you this before. Do you know who the oldest franchise in the NFL is? Is it the Giants? No. So the Packers and Bears are two and three. Texans? (laughs) They're the youngest. Oh. It's a good question. Panthers? No, all right. You're clearly not trying. Uh, I, I will. My actual Give me guess. One be real good guess. Philadelphia. Not a bad guess. Uh, they started in in uh, 33, um, and there was a team called the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets that kind of preceded them. Frankfurt is like a borough, I think, of Philadelphia uh, in 1925. The Giants started in 1925, by the way, so they're really old. But the oldest team in National Football League history are the Arizona Cardinals. Mm. They started in 1898. They started a full 20-something years before the rest of the league started. In 22 years, the NFL started in 1920. They were a football club. They played other football clubs, kind of like a club team in college. Mm -hmm. And they were the Chicago Cardinals all the way up until 1961. Then they became the St. Louis Cardinals. They played there until 87. And then 88, they moved to Phoenix. They were called the Phoenix Cardinals. And then... They renamed them the Arizona Cardinals, but that is by far and away the oldest team in NFL history. How about that? I got one last (laughs) (laughs) Marcus loves the historical notes. Can you guys so great? But yeah, uh, one last thing before we head out. This is my final word. I think I figured out why the uh, the NFL season is a little dull this year. The quarterback play, just in general, is not very good, and we we've kind of known this, but. Um, would you consider a passer rating of a hundred to be like very good quarterback play? Or would you, yeah, consider, what would you it, consider it? Yeah, it's very good. It's not great. Like it used to be mm-hmm. uh, now. Great would be probably what more like 107, 108, uh, okay. but 100 is very good. Yes. Here's the number of quarterbacks that had a passer rating of a hundred over the last few years, 2018, nine, 2019, 9, 2020, 10, 2021, 8, this year, 5. And those five quarterbacks are Mahomes, Josh Allen, which you would expect, mm-hmm. Geno Smith at 3, Tua at 4, and Joe Burrow at 5. Mahomes, Allen, and Burrow all feel right. Geno and Tua, I, it just feels a little odd, and that's all. That's it. That's That's the entire list. And we should say, yeah, and we should say, two has been inconsistent, and he's been hurt, uh, and Burrow's been inconsistent, even though he's got those numbers. Gino, now he has been consistent this year, and then you have Allen and Mahomes. So of those five, I'd really only say three of them have played really well. And here's the other thing, Elliot. I think pass ratings of any more anything under eighty five, I kind of call bad, just bad quarterback play, right? Mm-hmm. There are 15 quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks in the league that have pass ratings under 85 right now. Yeah, yeah. Right now, how would you like it if you went through that whole diatribe and I was like, great. That's fine. I think it deserved it probably. That, that's what you do. That's what you, That's what he does to me. I mean, I, I, I just 
no Wikipedia up. I just lay out George Halas's career, and what do I get from Marcus? Snores. No, he, I, the, 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 he played for the Yankees is a great note for somebody yeah. who doesn't know who George Halas is. Yeah, you've driven me to Apple Teenies. That's, what, that's what's become of this podcast. So on that note, uh, we will talk to you guys on Wednesday. Uh, we'll pick some games. And uh, I never know the the lines or the uh, totals. Marcus will give me that. We'll react to it. I'll react to it. And then, obviously, we'll do a Thursday night uh, like we always do. Uh, hopefully, Marcus won't be depressed and driven to drink on that podcast. Uh, either way, I think he's going to be totally 100% sober for his Locked On Cowboys tomorrow. Is that fair? I don't think you have cocktails. That, well, I don't know. I the, the way you've been in and out of NFL culture lately, I don't know. You. Oh, I'm all the way in on NFL culture, by the way. It was a great week. We're good. <laughs> okay. Uh, he will host that with uh, Landon McCool tomorrow. So catch that podcast. Give Landon a follow. He also covers Raiders for USA Today. He is at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter. I am at Harrison NFL on Twitter. We really appreciate you guys. And we will talk to you all on Wednesday with some good picks. Take care, everybody. Broncos country. That's right. <laughs>